Hey there, it's Denise here. And before today's episode, I just want to give you a heads up about a free opportunity later this month to learn from one of my mentors. Jeff Walker created the product launch formula, the step-by-step process that I use in my business for course launches and promotions. Once a year, Jeff Walker runs a live masterclass all about how to launch and the latest trends in online marketing. This year's class is coming up really soon and includes a special new training on how to launch with AI. Ooh. I have personally implemented PLF in my business to generate millions of dollars. And I partner with Jeff to promote PLF because I've seen the incredible impact of his system in my business and in the Lucky Bee community. So I highly recommend checking out Jeff's training and learning the vital skill of how to launch online, whatever stage of business you're at. Head over to denisedt.com slash PLF, PLF, to join the waitlist and you'll be among the first to hear about the special PLF training and offer. That's denisedt.com slash PLF. Now, enjoy the show. Start your business for the freedom of time. Now you're tired of the hustle and grind. There's gotta be a better way. It's time to listen to Chill and Prosper. Welcome to Chill and Prosper. You're ready to chill and prosper with Denise Duffield Thomas. Hey, hey, gorgeous. It's Denise here. Welcome to another episode of Chill and Prosper. Now, you might be listening to this a couple of months after this happened, but I'm going to talk about it as if it just happened because it it did just happen for me. And this is my um, recent trip to New York. Um, I, I've only been back for a week, but by the time we re- you know publish this episode, it might be months out, but I'm just going to talk about it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was an epic, epic trip with a lot of unexpected money lessons from this trip. So I'm not going to go in any particular order because um, yeah, there's just so many different lessons and so many different angles. So just bear with me for today. But I hope that it has some lessons for you in your own life, not even just about travel really, but just some of the things that we expect and um, receive. And oh, there's just so many lessons. So I'm just going to get straight into it. So Last year, um, my beautiful nanny, she goes to DragCon every year and she, you know, would take time off to go to DragCon. And I remember thinking, wow, that's so cool. What do you even do at a convention? And she was telling me how cool it was. And I was like, well, I've never been to a convention, but I wonder if there's any in things that I like. And I've been recently investing in musicals and I love musicals. So I was like, I wonder if there's a Broadway con. And so I Googled and there's a Broadway con ah, every year and in New York, of course, because it's Broadway, right? And I was like, I want to give myself permission to go to Broadway con. And this might sound really strange because you go, well, Denise, you've got money. Like, why wouldn't you just go to things that you like to do? There was still a part of me that was like, but it's not to do with work. It's got nothing to do with my business and money boot camp and it doesn't benefit my business. I'm happy to go to conferences. I've been to conferences all around the world. I've spent tens of thousands of dollars going to conferences for my business. But am I allowed to go just for fun? So that was the first thing. I was like, am I allowed to go just for fun? And my friend Samantha Leith, who is a singer, performer, cabaret performer, and she's in the business world too because she's a business coach and a life coach. 
um, I was like, do you want to come to Broadway Come with me? And I just felt like, oh, my God, this is so – why would we even be doing this? And she's like, yeah, of course. And then – but then, of course, I made it a business trip. FYI to my accountant, it was an official business trip. No, but I was like, okay, well, if I'm going to go, I may as well do a VIP event there. And so I sent a message out, anyone want to come to a very small group VIP event in New York? Yep, filled straight away. So I was like, I may as well do another one. So I ended up doing two and that filled straight away too. And I was like, oh, maybe I should do a big event. And I went, no, 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 I really want to do something um, that's for me and not turn it into just a full-on work trip. So that was a really big, I think, lesson straight away. It's okay to do things for myself. It's okay to do things just for pleasure and enjoyment. It's also okay to find a way to justify it because, you know, being able to do two VIP days meant that Sam and I could both fly. We could both fly business class. You know, we can pay for all our accommodation, basically doing two events. But I didn't want to overdo it. And I think that's such an important lesson sometimes too, is that we don't have to overwork. We don't have to do too much. And I was really excited because I was, um, we booked it for eight days and um, the the business part, the VIP days would be at the start of the trip and then we'd have Broadway Con and I was like, we'll be able to see shows and it's, it's going to be really, really fun. So I thought, this is great. And I still felt that guilt of being away from my family and you know, and telling people, oh, I'm going for Broadway con, you know, and like I've, I've traveled for work so many times and I don't feel as guilty about going away, but there was something about this one where I was like, yeah, I'm going for fun and enjoyment. Is that okay? Um, that, that it still brought up so much for me in, in then to even justify and go, oh, well, it's a work trip as well. Accountant, it was a work trip. <laughs> um, and to kind of justify it, go, oh, I'm working as well. Don't worry. Um, was a really interesting experience. And so anyway, um, we went, you know, left for the trip and I actually didn't pay attention to any part of the booking of the trip because I had so many other things on. And when I got to the airport, and this sounds really like, how could you not even notice? But I didn't, I knew what time we were flying, but I hadn't paid any attention as to what route we were going, anything. And we get there and it's like, oh, we're going via Singapore. And um, we're going, you know, it's eight hours to Singapore and then it's like 18 hours to New York. And I was like, who booked this? You know, why did we book it? And then I contacted Mark. He goes, oh, that's just what the flight, you know, the our agency sent over. And I didn't even pay attention to it either. And it was just that really fascinating experience of, of going, wow, like I would have just paid extra to have a more direct route. You know, such a good learning experience. The next learning experience was um, flying business class is fantastic. It's the only way I can fly now, especially, you know, if I'm doing an event or whatever. But I just find traveling from Australia to anywhere is a nightmare. You know, like imagine being 18 hours on a flight and it's your second flight of the day. Like you feel like you're going to die. It's horrible. But what I notice now is with a lot of airlines is that especially for the double deckers, they put all of the business class people at the top. And so you're flying just with business class people. And it takes a little bit of the specialness. <laughs> this sounds so funny, but it takes a little bit of the specialness away when everyone has business class. And I remember when I used to really get so excited about one day I'll fly business class. You know, you had to walk through business class to get to economy. And I'd be like, oh, look how fancy. And now I'm like, oh. 
everyone's got the same thing. But also what I've noticed is that the standard of business class has gone down a little bit because they've created um, a lot more first class and suites on the planes. And so the food is just a little bit worse, like the amenities a little bit worse, like all of these things because they've deliberately created a new thing to aspire to. It used to be that business and first class lounges at the airport were together and I've noticed now that they've separated them. So when you come in and you go to your business class one, there's like this other room and you're like, oh, I wonder what they have. And I've noticed that the um, food and the drink and the quality of, of the lounges has gone down too. Now, that's none of this is to be like, oh my God, Denise, you are such a spoiled bratty bitch. It's just really fascinating from a business and marketing and um, just a business point of view, how you make those distinctions between things. And you always give people like something to strive towards, you know, and of just going, oh, I wonder what it would be like to be in the suites, you know, and having like a little special suites section. I'm like, oh, now I feel like cattle class. You know, it's just so funny. And again, don't, don't at me and say, Denise, you're a privileged bitch. Yes, I am. But it's just fascinating from a business standpoint of how businesses create these um, like just different experiences for people and how they have to deliberately make those decisions of what toilet paper are we going to put in you know, the economy one versus premium economy versus business versus first class and how you can create that sometimes in your business with different levels of service. So anyway, that was an interesting experience. When we got to New York, um, we arrived at like six o'clock in the morning and um, we went to the hotel and luckily they could um, give us early check-in. But I noticed now, again, some hotels are giving uh, are charging people for early check-in. And I thought, God, if I'm getting off a, you know, basically two-day flight, I would have totally paid for early check-in. And so... It's just a fascinating thing, again, from like a pricing point of view is, you know, imagine just going, nope, it's not available to say, hey, it is available, but it's going to cost you this much. And then you can choose whether or not you do it. And um, we're doing Airbnb at my farm now. And it's the same thing with late checkout. We can offer people the option, hey, do you want a late checkout? It's going to be X amount of dollars. And so it's just an idea for you and your business to you know, offer things like that. It's okay to have, you know, if someone says, oh, do you have a service that you can do it in two days? You go, great, yes, but here's the fee. You know, or like, no problem, here's the fee. And could you do it for free? I mean, the hotel gave us it for free. Yeah, totally. But it's also okay to charge for convenience. It's okay to charge to give people something special. Um. Yeah, really, really interesting. The other thing too is um, I booked through booking.com for my hotel and they gave us a free taxi pickup as part of that. And oh my God, it was an absolute palaver. Like the guy was like an hour and a half late. And I was just like, I, I would have just preferred just to pay and have that convenience. And so even more, every time I travel, I realize how much I'm happy to pay for convenience and speed and just not having to have things be a hassle. You know, like knowing that my luggage is probably a little bit overweight, but it's fine because I'm traveling business class, you know, not having to stuff things into one suitcase because I can get an extra suitcase and how much I value 
um, convenience and speed. And when it doesn't happen, how much like I just get so frustrated with that. So it's totally okay to offer that um, to your customers. I thought that was fascinating. On that lesson, so um, Samantha Leith, who came with me, um, she had booked a couple of photo shoots for when we arrived because, like me, she loves batching content, right? And instead of doing an extra long photo shoot where she'd be really tired on the same day as we came in from another country, she decided to pay extra and just break the shoot up into two, one either day. And I was like, how smart is that? Instead of going, I'm just going to suck it up, I'm going to push through, just knowing that you're not going to get the better results, just to ask and say, to you, you know, to a photographer, to whoever, and say, "Hey, can I break this into two? Sometimes you just have to ask. And I noticed this with my last photo shoot. Um, I was like, I don't mind doing a long photo shoot, and I can get changed, you know, and get heaps of different looks. But my hair and makeup always looks the same because, you know, I'm just like I'm doing it all in one day. And I was like, oh, I could just pay to have the makeup artist stay a little bit longer and change my hair." You know, and she was like, oh, yeah, it's only going to cost like X amount. And we're like, why didn't I do this before? Why didn't I do it before? And so I was telling Sam about that. And um, so Sam, um, you know, she's a performer. She's a cabaret performer. So she loves having like this fabulous kind of photo shoots and lots of changes and stuff like that. And she was um, doing her photo shoot with Caroline White. And um, they were like, we're just going to go through New York and have all these dynamic things. And I was like, oh, I'll. I'll be your assistant on the shoot. I'll just, you know, I'll be your roadie kind of thing. And Sam was like, oh, no, no, no. Like, no, no, that's fine. I'll just lug my suitcase around myself. And I'm like, dude, no, let me do this. And um, she's like, yeah, okay. And I could tell she was really a little bit uncomfortable with the idea of me helping her because, and Sam, you know, said this in her own words in her own blog and stuff, but because she's a performer, um, there's something there too about uh, a lot of performers being really self-reliant, like doing your own hair and makeup and lugging your own stuff around and not being too good to, you know, change in a cubicle. She's that kind of performer, right? She's not a diva about it. And um, and so I was like, nope, I'm going to do it for you. So I had, you know, my trainers on, my jeans, I had her suitcase and I was just like, what do you need? Just handing her earrings, handing her a drink, handing her, um, you know, a change of shoes, holding up a sheet for her to get changed behind. And Sam was like, oh my God, we can get so much more done having an assistant. And, you know, like Caroline is, you know, a very successful photographer and she's not cheap, right? And I'm like, it doesn't cost that much to get an assistant. You're already paying so much for photos, um, you know, hair and makeup, costume, like you're putting so much effort into creating this thing, but yet you can't pay probably an extra couple of hundred bucks to have someone to help you. And it's not about the money. It's about the receiving of the support that was the big thing. And not only was I able to like lug her stuff around and, you know, because she was like, oh, no, I'll take the suitcase up the stairs. I was like, no, your dress, you're like, because it was, you know, it's New York in summertime, right? It was so hot and sweaty. And so I'm like, nope, I'm lugging it. And then like, oh, you need some, you need some powder. Have a, have a drink. You know, I'll... Um, we went into bars and all that kind of stuff. I was like, I'll pay the bill. You go in ahead. And um, But also I was taking behind the scenes footage and photos, 
which nowadays, of course, is so valuable to have that. And so it was like, you know, just being able to maximize the experience. But we're so unwilling to have the support. You know, isn't it so fascinating that we do that? So that was a really big lesson for both Sam and I. Of For me, it was remembering like the times that I've had it at my shoots, but also actually two people. I'm going to take it up to two people next. I'm going to have one person just to steam my clothes and hand me new earrings. And I'm going to have one person just to take behind the scenes footage. Because you can't expect your photographer to do, you know, oh, see everything. Because we'd be walking around and I'd be like, oh, look at that little, you know, cool sign or whatever. And it was just having an extra pair of eyes as well. It was so, so great. And then, you know what, Sam then, you know, because she was there to help me with my um, my day as well, having someone there to go, yep, I've already sorted out, um, you know, dinner, lunch is going to be a little bit late. I've already told them. And, you know, I was like, oh, we should print out. She's like, no, I've already done it. You know, everyone said that they were wanted this thing and I just went and printed it for you and I found it. And I'm like, oh, my God, having that support for my event too was just as, you know, and like we're both successful independent women, but having that support was just such a big lesson for both of us. Really fascinating. As well as, um, yeah, just going somewhere for fun and enjoyment, but also being worthy of having that support. Really fascinating. Okay, so I'm just going to take a quick break and then um, uh, I had so many more lessons in New York. Oh my God, it was amazing. Okay, I'll speak to you in a sec. Hey, hey, this is Erica, co-founder of the Rise Up Academy with my sister Marianne, where we empower female hypnotherapists to build aligned businesses, attract clients, and achieve more impact, income, and freedom. And today I want to share the incredible story about how Denise changed our lives. It all started with my struggle to articulate the price of a hypnotherapy session to a client. Embarrassingly, my client said, you have to read Denise's book, Get Rich, Lucky Bitch. And I'm so glad I did because from the first chapter, Denise's words ignited my confidence and belief in my potential. And then I devoured her other books, Lucky Bitch and Chillpreneur. And then Marianne, who's a certified coach, also embraced Denise's teachings. And together we became an unstoppable team, serving clients together in the pregnancy trauma niche. And we discovered how to create high value packages for worldwide clients. And Denise empowered me to effortlessly discuss money, confidently offering our two and a half thousand pound package, which would have been an unimaginable before. And now in the Rise Up Academy, we help hypnotherapists to shatter industry barriers and create their own success. Denise, we are forever grateful to you for unlocking our potential. You have transformed our lives. Thank you. Okay, so um, my VIP days went really, really great in in New York. It was so much fun. But what I realized I didn't mention to the people beforehand was the idea of doing VIP days in the first place. So let me explain. So uh, we wanted to come over for Broadway Con and we wanted to justify it from a business point of view. So we did the VIP days, right? But it didn't occur to me to tell the people to do the same with their own clients. And it wasn't until, um, I can't remember who it was on on one of the groups, but she was like, oh, I did a VIP day yesterday to pay for your event. And I was like, oh my God, I didn't even consider that. So now I'm like, anytime I do a VIP event, I'm going to tell everyone else, contact your clients and see if they're in this city and do a VIP event. 
it just didn't occur to me to also spread that. And then they could do a VIP event for their clients and it becomes this ripple effect. But actually, the, the, um, the reason why I actually had that idea in the first place is when I used to travel for conferences, I really wanted to justify getting a bigger room or getting a suite. And so I would often then do a VIP day to pay for my suite. And I did this, um, I was stuck in New York when the when Hurricane Sandy happened and I, I got this really big suite with a lounge room and so I did a VIP day and I had like two people there, but it paid for my suite, you know, and so it's just really looking for those little opportunities. But it was so cool being back in New York, kind of going, wow, this is really fun being here for such a different reason and thinking about, you know, when Hurricane Sandy happened and I was like, I'm stuck here and I'm, you know, I had to really worry about money. And this trip was, it was great in that way of going, wow, I can just get a cab. Oh, I can just tip and not even have to think about it. Actually, what was interesting too, I was, I was over tipping people and so many of the um, staffers were coming back going, no, 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 you tipped too much. And I'd be like, no, no, that's fine. And it was, it was really, um, yeah, it was fascinating how many people were doing that. And I'm like, no, no, that's cool. I want to be generous. Anyway, so let's talk about Broadway Con. Broadway Con was such a fun experience and very, I think, healing for me in exploring other interests other than work. Um, it really fueled my creativity, but also it was fabulous going to somewhere where I didn't, ha- the stakes were very low for me. You know, like I bought a VIP ticket because I wanted to sit in the front row. And when I got there and we got our bags and stuff, one of the volunteers said, I just want to thank you for buying a VIP ticket because this really allows us and helps us to put this event on. And I just went, oh, my God, that feels so good to me. And so if you do run events, don't be afraid to have, you know, a regular and a VIP ticket. And it wasn't like we got a few extra perks. We got like a, I don't know, better swag bag or whatever and we got to sit in the front two rows which was really really cool um and you know we got uh you could get free autographs for some of the people and it was it was really really cool but it was kind of like you know the normal tickets were fine as well but sometimes it's really realizing that the vip things can subsidize you know scholarships or um or the volunteers got a free ticket and things like that and it, it made me feel really good you know, not only that I got those things, but also I contributed to making the event a success. That felt really, really good. Now, Broadway Con itself was a real mix of um, performers, uh, just people who love musicals. And actually, there was a lot of people there who it was their um, special interest. So there's, I've never seen a more diverse kind of inclusive group of people. There were a lot of um, like self-identified people with autism at the event. And I think it was just a real eye-opener for me about conventions and about how it's um, like, it's such a safe place for people to explore their obsessions and their special interests. It was, it was a beautiful thing to see and to also to see um, especially younger people who, uh, you know, had meetups around, um, you know, their special interests, but also about how to make theatre more accessible for them or how to um, enjoy theatre with sensory issues or things like that. Oh, it was just, it was fabulous. And it was a very um, 
like they had signs saying we're an inclusive venue. All of the bathrooms were made um, non-gender specific. So it was they did a, such a good job even before the conference to say if you have any special needs or if you have any accommodation, things that we can help you with, please let us know. So that was really great. And then just being somewhere where people could just be so geeky about their love of theatre. Um, I really encourage you, whatever your special interest is, go to a convention, go to a festival, go to a, I don't know, if you're into dressing up or fairs or, you know, renaissance fairs or whatever, just, it just gives you so much joy to see and to experience things with other people who bring the joy. So some of the panels were, for example, the 20th anniversary of Avenue Q. So Avenue Q, the musical that's like puppets that swear, um, they had a reunion on stage and so you could ask them questions. And um, the guy who um, co-wrote that also has written most of the songs from Frozen. can't remember his name off the top of my head, sorry. Um, but what was really fun about it is that they did three songs and he played at the piano and then everyone's like, one more song, one more song. And he goes, oh, I only downloaded the sheet music for three songs. Does anyone have sheet music? Um, because he's written so many things between then, right? It's fair enough that he doesn't know it off by ear. So one person from the audience, just a person from the audience, put their hand up and said, oh, I can play it by ear. And they went, yep, cool, come up to the piano. So he just went up to the piano, played like three songs that he just knew off by heart <laughs> and while the performers did the song. And I was like... Where else could you go and just experience this? But also just being able to go, yeah, come up to the piano. You can play it. That's fine. And he just played it perfectly. The other thing that was amazing was seeing um, seeing all the performers from different shows that came in to, you know, they just came in to do a song or to say, hey, we've got this new show. Come and play it. Come, come and see it. But all of them were wearing like street clothes. And it's summer in New York. So people were wearing like cut off jeans and just – and um, like usually they were just wearing the shirt from their musical. So they were wearing like, you know, a, um, a little Shop of Horrors shirt and jeans kind of thing or cut off jeans. And it really makes you realise, wow, these are just normal people living their dream. Like that's just a normal person. There was a lot of variety of body types and shapes and um, not so much ages but definitely ethnicities and different um, like, yeah, just different body shapes and things like that. But I think when you see people in costume and everyone's wearing like the makeups and the wig and all that kind of stuff, you see them as otherworldly. You see them as celebrities in a way and seeing people just wearing jeans and a T-shirt and normal kind of makeup, you're like, oh, this is a job. Like this is a job that normal people do and they're very talented but they're a real person. And it just made me feel like... I don't know, it just, well, one, it made me go, oh, maybe I could, because <laughs> I am a trained dancer. I can't sing for shit. But um, I was like, wow, this is a job. At the same time it, um, was the writer's strike in New York. And so a lot of people mentioned it because there's, you know, some crossover between Broadway and TV and movies. And we've met, a, you know, met a few people who were striking and, it really made me realize, yeah, this is a job where you're entitled to be paid for it. You're entitled to be paid fairly for it. And you're a worker. You know, like this isn't just some creative dream of that, you know, starving artists or you should be grateful 
to be performing at all. This is a job that people do. Um, yeah, really, really fascinating. And actually at the merch stand, um, there was a sticker that was like, I don't write for free. I was like, oh, yes, that's so cool. On the merch stand thing, this is where I went, oh, there's money blocks in every industry and especially the arts. Um, I didn't see it so much in the stages because not many people talked about money and things like that on stage. Um, I would have loved to see um, something like that. <laughs> I can submit for next year, but there was um, two, a couple of people that we went to see in the merch stand and they were selling you know, all sorts of different things. The first lady was selling something that was handmade. I won't say what it was just in case she, if she listens. But she was like, normally I would charge like, you know, 270 for these. But here today I'm charging like 140 and I'm like, I'm, I'm not making any anything on it. And of course that hurts my heart, right? And so I'm like, um, you're allowed to make money out of it. Like this is handmade. You've done, she's like, no, no, no. I just really want people to have this thing and, you know, I really want them to have it. And we're like, but you're allowed to charge for it. And then the very next one we went to was a lady selling um, uh, memorabilia and things. And she was saying the same thing. She was like, hey, guys, just to let you know, if there's anything that you can't afford, just let me know and I'll make a deal. Like, I don't want anyone to go home feeling like, you know, they couldn't get the thing they wanted. And, you know, I, I make barely any money out of this, but it's my joy and my love. And I was thinking, dude, you're allowed to go. You're allowed to charge for you lugging all of this stuff, not only collecting it over the years, keeping it in pristine, you know, uh, condition, but you're allowed to charge for it. It's okay. And so I went and bought so many buttons and stickers and all these kind of things. And it's really fascinating seeing makers apologize for charging but especially when it's something that's their interest and passion and love, you know, and I just think that that really relates to so many of us. We, you can care so deeply for your clients. You can care so deeply for your industry, but it's still okay to charge for it. It's still okay to receive money in return for the work that you do. It really is. Ah, so that was a really... It was such a good lesson. The two other lessons I want to share, so we might go over a little bit. One is um, we went and saw Leah Michelle in Funny Girl. Now, I know a lot of people have got a lot of criticisms around Leah Michelle. This is not an endorsement of her, but, man, she can sing. And I think anyone who does not like her can really appreciate that she can sing and very, like, seemingly effortlessly it was just unbelievable but that's not what this point is about funny girl the musical is about um, fanny bryce who has this innate amazing undeniable talent despite the fact that people you know think she's weird and not attractive whatever and um she falls in love with this beautiful attractive man who is a professional gambler but her success starts to eclipse his success and the whole second part of the movie is her trying, and the movie and the play and the musical, is her trying to diminish herself so she doesn't make him feel bad. And so she's like, I will give up the theatre. Like it's the thing that she has loved, that she's good at, that she's the best in the world at, one of the most well-paid women in the world at. And she'll say, I will give it all up. I'll give it all up. I'll stay at home, um, whatever. 
she's trying to invest in his businesses to make him feel good, to make him feel confident. And the whole thing is about her, I will, I will hold myself back for you. And so Sam and I came out of that going, I've never seen those lessons in that before. You know, I probably watched Funny Girl, the musical with Barbara Streisand in it, um, the, the movie version, I don't know, 20 years ago. You know, as a teenager when I was watching musicals, I didn't get that level out of it. And now as, you know, someone who's in their 40s, very successful, someone who, um, you know, earns more than my husband, who works in my company, where we're shifting and changing things and feeling that dynamic of earning more than other people in my life and family, I just got so many different nuances out of it. Um, And also just to feel like, oh my gosh, she's really just... She just has to try and hold herself back. She doesn't want to outshine anybody. And the sacrifice of going, I don't care, I'll, I'll give away all the money. And, you know, and, and for her to have a partner that couldn't just suck it up and like go, you know, like my husband, Mark, who's like, I don't care if people, you know, think I'm weird for working in your business. And like, and, you know, the, the work that he's had to do on on that, on his ego around that was really, really fascinating. Um, it was really great. Um, the, the I keep on saying cute few more points, but one of the panels at Broadway Con was, um, uh, there was actually a few panels around Wicked, the musical Wicked. And so um, I think they had about four different panels. One was like how we paint alphabet green, how we do the song, um, like with the stage manager and theater manager and, just so many different things. And the party was um, was sponsored by Wicked too. So it was a Wicked theme. And I was sitting there going, oh, my God, I don't have a costume for Wicked, the Wicked party. So I went, I'm going to leave and go thrifting. So I literally ran out of the conference, went to Salvation Army, which was amazing. Oh, my God, there was so much cool stuff there. Bought um, about $200 worth of stuff. So you can imagine everything was between $10 and $20. And I had so much stuff. Went to Michael's and bought um, uh, some safety pins, fabric scissors, needle and thread. And then I spent three hours creating costumes for us for the um, Wicked Party, you know, like Aussians, like from the Emerald City. And they're not perfect. They were literally stapled together kind of thing. But it was really fun um, dressing up and people going, oh, my God, can I get a photo with you? Like just normal people just experiencing that joy, again, of theatre and dressing up. I'm so excited for my costume for next year. Can't wait. Um, but one of the Wicked panels, they were saying, you know, like, how do we keep it fresh after 20 years? And they were saying, like, we we make sure that we check in with each cast member, see if they still love it. We change the choreography every now and again. We, um, you know, we, we shift and change things to keep it fresh and current. And we get someone in every couple of months and look at it with fresh eyes. And so we went and saw Wicked in New York. And I wasn't going to because I'd seen it so many times, but also it's coming to Sydney in September and I already have tickets. I wasn't going to see it. And then I went, let's go see it in New York. And it really did feel really fresh and amazing. Contrast to that, I went and saw another show, which I will not name because I feel like a horrible bitch for naming it. But it's also a show that has been on Broadway for about 20 years. And oh my God, it was the laziest production of that show, which I've seen I've seen in London, I've seen Sydney, I've seen in New York several times. It was the laziest production I have ever seen. Not only were, I mean, half the cast were good, half the cast, I was like, 
my God, stretch your freaking arm, point your toe. Um, it was so lazy. But also the, the sound desk was kind of on the floor right next to where our seats were. The sound guy was talking the whole time. People were coming in and out, chatting to him, pouring him a drink. They were chatting, having a laugh. We could hear the ushers having a laugh and talking. And my friend Sam went to tell them off. So we, Sam had to tell off the sound guy and the ushers. And then audience members were, you know, and, and then on top of that, we were going to leave at halftime. I've never seen a lazier show. And it just made me realize what's the contrast between those shows that have been running the same amount of time. And it is having those fresh eyes and going like, let's, you know, I don't care that that cast member has been there for 20 years. They're out. Like they don't care anymore. Let's, let's refresh it and let's make sure that we're, that we still love it that we still love it. And so that was a really good lesson for me too, is that things can get stale sometimes and you just need to make sure, you know, am I still, do I still love it? Do I still want to do it? Do I need to shake things up a little bit? Do I need to come back to my standards? Do I need to come back to why I've, you know, why I'm doing this in the first place and, um, and tighten things up again. So yeah, I, I learn a lot from New York, the city that never sleeps. Eight, eight days um, in Times Square, though, I was definitely ready to go home. <laughs> I was definitely ready to, um, you know, and you know, the worst bit coming home, I had sugar withdrawal, high fructose corn syrup withdrawal because it's in everything. But still, I, I had a fantastic time. And um, yeah, hopefully you got some interesting nuggets out of that for you. And I would love to hear what little thing was like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, because... I definitely, just getting out of my environment, going somewhere new, really created some new insights for me. So let me know what you got out of this episode. I'm at Denise DT, remember, on socials, just send me a DM or something. And um, I, I've i got one last thing to share, so I'll see you after this final break. See you in a sec. Hi, I'm Jill Ross Nadler, and I'm the president and chief storyologist at Page Turner Adventures. And we do online programs for kids uh, to get them excited about stories and crafts and activities and also for their busy parents. And so I always have a lot of ideas in my business and I'm always coming up with stories and crafts and things. And and I always felt like I was maybe a little bit flaky. And after taking Sacred Money Archetypes, I realized, no, I'm not flaky. I'm an alchemist. I have ideas. That's a wonderful thing. And so it's given me this validation and understanding about myself and why I do what I do and the way I do it. And it's also helped me with marketing and um, my ideal customer and so many different aspects of my business. It's also given me compassion for the other people that I work with, understanding their personality types. I work with an accumulator. I didn't know that. I thought she was just a penny pincher, but no, she's an accumulator and it's given me a lot more understanding. So I highly, highly, highly recommend it. And, um, And all of Denise's programs and books. They've just been really life-changing. So thank you. Okay. Welcome back. So my final thought to, um, one of the things that I got to do when I was in New York was to visit the Museum of Broadway. And I am an investor in the Museum of Broadway. And that was so freaking cool to be able to do that. They actually um, raised all of the money to be able to start it. And then of course, 
you know, um, pandemic related, they needed to raise a little bit more. So I was really lucky to get in right at the end. Um, And it's so, so cool to go and see all of these costumes and things um, from all the beautiful musicals that I've been to. So please, when you're in New York, go and visit um, the Museum of Broadway. But seeing my name on the wall was a life highlight, knowing that that will always be there. Um, And it's in the little room when you go into when you watch the video, all the names are on the wall. Um, That felt so cool to be able to see that and see that legacy um, of of my name, you know. And the whole time I was in New York, I just kept on hearing that Frank Sinatra song of like, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. It's up to you, New York, New York. And um, that's how you feel when you're in a place like that. You feel the collective, I don't know, feeling of people living their dreams and going somewhere to do something different, going to a city that doesn't sleep, that has all these beautiful shows and seeing the dreams that are behind those shows. Someone came up with an idea, someone raised money to put on a show and especially at the Museum of Broadway where you see costumes that are, you know, like 100 years old, you know, and it's like someone created that. Um, It's really inspiring super inspiring so yeah it's up to you it's up to you and you can you can follow your dreams anywhere you don't need to go to New York anymore to be able to follow your dreams you can do it wherever you are you know I live in a small city on the east coast of Australia and thanks to the power of the internet I can reach millions of people all around the world and you can do that as well so yeah it's up to you all right thanks for listening I'll see you on the next episode of Chill and Prosper. Bye. Thanks for listening to Chill and Prosper. Tell your friends to chill and prosper. Review and subscribe. We hope you had a very good time. Hey, it's Denise here again. Oh, you thought the episode was over. No. (laughs) I just want to say thanks so much for listening to today's episode and for supporting the podcast. But have you ever wondered how you can get on the podcast yourself and hear your voice in one of those little ad breaks? Well, if you've read one of my books or you're a member of one of my courses, I would love to hear from you as well. All you have to do is to go over to speakpipe.com slash Denise DT. So speakpipe.com slash Denise DT. And you can send me a voice message testimonial sharing your experiences and how my books or courses have helped your life and business. Um, We are an ad-free podcast, but of course, I like to promote my own stuff as well. And we would love to promote you and make it a real win-win as well. So that's speakpipe.com slash Denise DT. Thanks again, and I'll see you next week for another episode of Chill and Prosper.